For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This edition of Talk of Champions with guest David Morris, former Ole Miss quarterback, founder of Quarterback Country, is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and the Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. You can check them out online, www.lbsmeatmarketoxford.com. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. Both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say. Just leave a five-star review. Also available at SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It's official. The Mississippi State flag is gone. Tate Reeves, he signed the bill. That's done. Law now. It's over. So now we move on to other topics in the state of Mississippi. And the number one topic in everybody's brain, apparently, as I learned at my four-year-old's birthday party on Tuesday, is when are we going to get sports back? Specifically, college football. Is there going to be a season? Hey, Rippy, what's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, what's up? I don't know. I hit, like, much like this virus comes in waves or whatever they want to call spikes and stuff, I keep getting optimistic and pessimistic by the week. 
But I feel like the last two weeks we've been in a consistent wave of pessimism. I don't know about you. I feel the same way. So my daughter, Riley, four years old, we have a rainbow party because that's what she wanted. I don't remember when this started happening, by the way. When we were kids, I'm older than you, but when we were kids, we didn't have themed birthday parties. All you effectively did was have your parents drop you off at like the church gym. There were some basketballs, maybe some roller skates. Have fun. They got you a cake that said, it's your birthday. You blew it out. And that was about all there was. Now it's a theme. So I go to a rainbow-themed birthday party, set it up, you know, with a banner. We're handing out rainbow-flavored Skittles as a party favor to the kids that came. They're swimming. I've set all this up. I've put money into it. And the very first thing I get, because I only have like a couple of friends that show up that are my age. Hey, uh, so uh, we're going to have football this fall? And that's what I talked about for three hours. But like I told them, and I think people need to understand, if you were hoping for football in the fall, if you were banking on it happening, last week was not a good week. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Wear a mask. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of simple. It's really not that complicated. And as far as the birthdays, I, I've never heard of this theme birthday stuff. Like when I was a kid, you either went at someone's house and they had like a little horse and a donkey that someone rode around until someone fed it something it wasn't supposed to do or one of the kids pissed it off or something like that. Or we'd go play freeze tag or laser tag. I don't think I ever went to a themed birthday party in my entire childhood career. Is this a new occurrence? Everybody does it. I also don't remember gender reveals when I was younger. You just kind of called your family and told them it's a boy or it's a girl. Now you have to do an elaborate thing. I think it's usually just with the first kid, the gender reveal. But the themed birthday party, that's, that just goes. Now my oldest, Gracie, she's about to turn 8 in September. And I told her. Eight sounds about right for no longer having themed birthday parties. It's kind of ridiculous. Conversation went over well. Well, it's just kind of ridiculous. Just get some of your friends. We'll go play laser tag. I don't know if laser tag will be open in September, but we'll do something. We'll camp out in the backyard. We'll roast marshmallows. I don't want to have a unicorn party or another frozen party, rainbow party. I'm just tired of themed parties. Buying a bunch of stuff off of Amazon. We didn't do these things. My parents didn't put, like, a Ninja Turtle on a cake for me and call it a Ninja Turtle party and have Leonardo dress up and show up and come and hang out with us. They just said, hey, go skate for an hour, and you're going to blow out your candles, you're going to eat your cake, and then you're going to go home. But that's what it is now. And it's hilarious to me when I go to these things. Because at these parties, I have girls, just two girls. So mostly it's Emily's friends and their kids, Right? Now, some of my friends, two of my friends have kids that are girls that are my kids' age. One of my daughter's best friends is uh, the daughter of my college roommate and best friend and neighbor. So that's good. And he knows that we don't talk about Ole Miss. We just don't. Right? Like if you worked at a restaurant and you went in to any normal social situation, they said, okay, how are the business reports today? Kind of gets old. But at these parties... I see people that I don't usually see, but they know me. And there's this guy there yesterday. And the first thing he says is, why do y'all not talk about sports only on y'all's podcast these days? I listen to Neil and Chase. I listen to you and Rippy. Why aren't y'all talking sports all the time? I'm like, what are we going to talk about? That guy makes a great point. Let's, uh, let's cut this stuff and let's rehash into the game last night. You ready to go? 
Yeah, what are we going to talk about? And that's what I said to him. I went, man, you mean they spend 25 minutes breaking down the home-and-home series with Charlotte that was announced on Tuesday for Ole Miss football? What do you want me to say? The interviews kind of provide the sports because right now there are no sports. During this time, usually we'd be talking about recruiting. We'd be talking about the build-up to fall camp. We'd be getting on in typical years. Now, with Lane Kiffin, probably not. Assistant coaches, position group previews, all that kind of stuff. We don't even know if sports are coming back. And if you want sports to come back, regardless of how you feel about a mask, and I understand it. My dad is one of them. He says, Ben, they're ineffective. I'm not wearing a mask. To which my response was, okay, then you're not going to be able to go into Vaughn Hemingway Stadium in the fall if there is a season. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Put one on. Do what you need to do. And at the end of all of this, when we're finally free and clear of COVID-19, whenever that is, and if the science backs up that it was dumb to wear a mask, you can say, well, that was dumb. But for now, to appease college administrators who are horrified and are terrified of the idea of being held liable for you contracting COVID-19 on their campuses, wear a mask. I would walk backwards for the next two months if it meant kickoff being on time. I don't care about the political stuff. I don't care about any of it. I care about one thing. Tell me when kickoff is. And if you're worried about kickoff, last week was a bad week. We got to come to a consensus and say, you know what, regardless of how I feel about a mask and thinking it's stupid or whatever they say, I'm going to do it because, by God, we got to get sports back. Because I don't want to sit here and talk about this stuff constantly. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about sports. Yeah, I'm already, like, tired of talking about it. And I'm in the camp. I, I personally, I don't like the mask. It, it's weird. it feels weird. It is hard to breathe. Like, I don't like wearing it. But I'm also not, you know invasion on my rights guy making a scene in Walmart like I understand why it's needed or people that are smarter than me are telling it's needed so I'm going to wear it and suck it up and I don't get the freedom thing because it's not even permanent if you just shut up and wear a mask for two months in three months you're not going to have to do it it's not like someone from the government is coming to wire your mouth shut for the rest of your life like this is not (laughs) some conspiracy just put on the mask so we can stop talking about stuff like this and start talking about kids-themed birthday parties and start talking about what happened between Ole Miss and Baylor in Houston in front of a capacity crowd, which obviously I know at that point is not happening. But you get my point. Let's just stop doing it. Just wear the, just wear the mask. It drives me nuts. I don't care about any of it. I don't like wearing a mask. I wear a mask only because I know that it's the, the one thing I can do, the very simple sacrifice I can make to get sports back. This is not a political issue to me. This has now become a sports issue to me because my entire livelihood is built on sports. For you guys, you think, well, you know, if a kid knees during the National Anthem, they make me wear a mask, I'm never going to watch it again. That's fine. It's entertainment for you. We can disagree with that stance. We can have a reasonable, rational discourse in regards to why you feel that way. But I will fight till my death for your ability to feel that way, right? But here's the deal. Well, for you, you can walk away like it's nothing because you go to a 9 to 5 or whatever it is, 8 to 5, whatever. You got a job that's separate of this, that it's entertainment for you. It is my entire life. Like it was at my four-year-old daughter's birthday party when a dude followed me around and just wanted me to tell him all my stories. 
Yeah, that guy's tough because, like, I'm not going to be the guy because, like, we have cool jobs and I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to be that guy. No, no, I know you're not. I was more of, like, a collective, like, you type of thing. But, like, guy who, like, like you tell him what you do at the bar and then for the next 45 minutes he peppers <laughs> you with questions about the linebackers and stuff. It's like, dude, I'm out here with a couple of friends on a Friday night. Like, you know, maybe sling some Jaeger shots my way and I'll start busting down depth charts. But until then, leave me alone, man. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Oh, God. Give me some Jaeger shots. Did I ever tell you the story? I know I've told it on this podcast before, but did I ever tell you the story about what happened at one of those Shark Tank parties back when I almost went to the Birmingham Bowl? Uh, I don't think I've heard this, no. Okay. So, uh, me and Hugh Kellenberger, I was in a fraternity for a little bit in college. Very brief time. And the guys that put on this uh, Shark Tank party, they were in that fraternity. And so, they were like, hey, man, come on by. I was like, do I have to pay? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. And uh, Hugh Kellenberger comes with me, and we walk in. And immediately, there's this dude. He's really, really drunk. He goes, oh, Spirit Ben, which just is the best thing to be greeted to. You know, That's when you know something bad's coming. Yeah. Spirit Ben and Hugh Kellenberger. What's up, guys? How you doing? Whatever. Hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. We talked for a minute. And that was it. Read your stuff. Listen to your podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. Again, you're helping me put food on the table for my kids and put on... Themed birthday parties for my four-year-old that the theme is rainbows, whatever that is. But we're done. I think the conversation is over. Our, our interaction is over. And we're walking away. And Hugh Kellenberger tells a joke. He says something funny. He goes, you know, it'd be kind of cool. We're both married. But it'd be kind of nice if that popularity with some people, that like knowing us, whatever that is, you know, knowing who you are, if it were like a handful of really pretty girls... Rather than, you know, just the first drunk guy that shows up at the Shark Tank party. And I kind of laugh, like, yeah, that's kind of funny. This dude has been following us, Rippy. Okay? The whole way. And he immediately, once he tells this joke, this Kellenberger, this guy says, Oh, man, yeah, but look, if y'all were gay. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah. That's a tough one. I have wondered that before, because, like, I don't think that works for girls. Like walking up to a bar and just being like, no. you know, my content content turnout rate is pretty sick. My podcast numbers, you should see them. That's never yeah. really landed for me. It, it was it was just stupid, and that's what it is. The spirit bin stuff, and I, I don't know. But I would welcome it. I would welcome a, sh- a Shark Tank party, a trip to Birmingham, anything else. A midweek baseball game against ULM at 6 o'clock that lasts yes. 10 innings and the one that I know that Mike's going to get snooty with me afterwards. I would welcome <laughs> that right now. I mean, he's going to get snooty with you no matter what. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying. Even though I know it's coming, I would welcome anything right now. Because what the hell are we talking about right this second? <laughs> Abs- nothing. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the good thing. David Morris, former Ole Miss quarterback, founder of Quarterback Country, is coming up here in just a minute on the Modern Woman phone line. And we talk all about quarterbacks and what they do to train them and what makes a quarterback. And John Rice Plumley, all this stuff. I did everything. I, could. I treated it like I knew nothing about what he does. I wanted to know how they train quarterbacks. Because I know that the guests on this show are what's driving things right now. Because otherwise, we don't have Ole Miss stuff to talk about. So I say to anyone that might go up to... Brian Scott Rippey at a party. 
or Ben Garrett. Rainbow hey. party, rainbow yeah. themed. Or Ben Garrett, Neil McCready, Chase Parham. The reason why these podcasts have changed, have shifted to being guest-driven, and we've had to talk at length about the flag, is because of the situation that many of you, not all of you, but many of you, a handful of you, are fighting against. College administrators are terrified right now. Are terrified. We all want sports back. And regardless of what you think about the safety measures that they're encouraging you to follow, do them anyway. Because I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore either. I don't want to have to talk about the flag constantly. I think the one interesting note outside of the historic nature of the flag coming down, the one interesting note about the flag that we haven't really touched on is the recruiting angle. And David Sanders, former Ole Miss guard, now the head coach of Callaway, Deshaun Ruffin's head coach, he was on the podcast on Monday, and he made a good point. It's true. I've seen it. That flag has deterred talented players from either coming to Ole Miss or even considering Ole Miss. And I told this story yesterday at this rainbow theme party, which I guess now is the theme of my show. But at this party, I explained. Because this guy, he was he didn't understand what the big debate was about the flag. And that's a whole different conversation. Don't really want to have it. I try to use the lens of sports and say, look, man, you remember Carl Lawson? Talented defensive end, four-star. Went to Auburn, got drafted by the Bengals. He's a monster. He didn't come here, or he eliminated Ole Miss. He might not have come here anyway. But he was considering Ole Miss, legitimately considering Ole Miss. And when he got on campus, one of the first things he saw was a Confederate flag somewhere. And that was it. It was a wrap. So it has deterred talented players. So it coming down, that is a big deal. And now, if you're Ole Miss, that removes a recruiting obstacle that was there. It was. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you real quick about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. And when you're already in a have-not in the grand scheme of things in terms of the SEC and particularly the SEC West, you don't need unnecessary, no unnecessary obstacles. Like, why make your job even harder than it already is? If it pertains to football, you use the Carl Lawson example, you're already competing in the most rigged and competitively imbalanced sport like there is. Other, I, I can't think of, really can't think of anything else. Why would you make your job harder on yourself if you don't have to? Exactly. 
the NCAA investigative process showed Ole Miss is always going to be at a distinct disadvantage and not given the benefit of the doubt for anything because it's viewed as being in a particular place in the pecking order of college football. Clemson broke through. Clemson was in that place at one point. But when Clemson was on the precipice of breaking through, they did, and they became a national power. Ole Miss had a chance to break through. When 4th and 25 happened, had that not happened, Ole Miss goes to the SEC championship game, goes to Atlanta for the first time in school history, get a rematch with Florida. Who knows if they beat Florida? But the way they were playing, I think we would all agree, they're probably going to beat Florida in that game. And then they're in the playoff. There is no way you can convince me. Now, some will say, oh, they were going to get punished anyway. Bull. If you are a big money earner for the NCAA, they don't touch you, man. They don't. Duke basketball. The Zion Williamson stuff. And I believe kids should get whatever the hell they want. You want to get paid? Cool, get paid. Make your money. This is their best chance at earning money. Potentially many of them in their lives. They will never be more marketable to really take advantage of their earning power. That's another discussion. It doesn't matter. But if you're a big money earner, the NCAA is going to leave you alone. Ole Miss breaks through then. You can't convince me that the punishment that they got, which was effectively the modern-day death penalty, you can't convince me that that happens. No, but does it stop Does it stop certain cell phone records to certain massage parlors from being Well, up? no, that's a totally different thing. No, I I agree. I agree with your sentiment. I was mostly kind of just stoking the coals there. But yes, it's actually that's an interesting conversation because what happens to Ole Miss's program if it doesn't necessarily get hammered like you're saying and it had broken through, but the massage thing happens like does Hugh Freeze survive that? I, I should ask it better. They go to Atlanta that year in 15. Instead of going to the Sugar Bowl, they go to the playoff. Whatever happens, for the sake of this argument, they lose in the playoff because I don't want to go national championship yeah, and yeah. whatever. For the sake of the argument, they go to the playoff. So you're, they're now breaking through big money earner. You're operating under the assumption that they do not get hammered by the NCAA. What happens to Hugh Freeze when that call is discovered? Is he had, coaching the 2017 season or, or what? You know, wait, see, now i got my timeline all screwed up. Well, here's the thing now. Now I'm thinking it's 2016, but here I'm thinking. Exactly. I'm, I'm messing up. I'm skipping a season. What happens to him without that? What happens to him without the, like if he goes, the, if he's a year removed from the playoff and the call gets discovered? Ross Bjork was looking for a reason to fire him. But if he takes you to the playoff, there's no way you can. Even after a five and seven? Because that's what they went the next year. That's where I got, that's where I got lost. Next yeah. year they went five and seven. Jordan Tiamu was proven to be the better quarterback. It's just like if there's evidence to the contrary that that program wasn't viable long term, isn't it sixteen? And with all that talent on the offensive side and what they did against Florida State and Alabama, how atrocious they were defensively by the end of the year. That's one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Oh, it's horrible. And and Hugh Freeze was responsible for Wesley McGriff. You're probably right. But here's another question, though, that adds to the layer of it. If you go to the playoff that year, recruiting doesn't take, because they did have some big-time recruits sign in those next couple of classes, but there were thin recruiting classes. Remember the class where it was in the middle of the NCAA stuff? I can't remember. I don't want to, I'm going to get all the years mixed up. But it was that last class where they were having kids pop up on signing day that no one had ever heard of. C.J. Miller, 
Sincere David, is he still on the team? Sincere David. I remember, I remember Sincere David signing and thinking of that movie Major League where the lady's like, <laughs> this guy here is dead. We'll cross him off the list. And I'm looking around going, who in the hell is Sincere David? I think that was the 17 class. That class doesn't happen. So you shore up some things. The, the big guys That's you right. on, you know, you, you land your, uh, you land your fair share. The conclusion we're coming to is that 16, because they did sign a good 16 class. It was A.J. Brown, Metcalf, all those guys, right? You probably have a down year because you whiffed on a bunch defensively. But to your point, the 17 and 18 classes don't happen if you freeze survives that. So where's the program today, I guess, is the overall question. I just don't think they bottom out. That's Agreed. But I still think that at the end of it, the Hugh Freeze situation becomes a singular embarrassing issue. And he's taking you to the playoff. You basically suspend him for four games, maybe, if you're Ole Miss. And Hugh Freeze is still your head coach. And he's still calling media mad at you because you said something mean. Or you tweeted yeah. something he didn't like. Yeah, whatever. Who writes when, the column, four games for a back rub? I thought this was America. <laughs> no, this is America. <laughs> but it is an interesting place to be because the down year in 16 was inevitable. I mean, they didn't have a punishment yet. They started out as, you know, playoff contenders. They Florida lost State their happens. starting quarterback. Yeah, but they, they had some issues before that. Remember how toxic that got after the LSU and Arkansas losses back-to-back on the road? And you had, was it the Terry Caldwell situation on the sideline after LSU? Like, it was getting toxic. Then you lose the quarterback against Georgia Southern. Shea Patterson comes in as a hero. You get the brakes blown off by State. Like, if the rest of that doesn't happen, doesn't it feel like they have an opportunity to kind of reboot and that's just one blip on the radar? Yeah, probably. Here's the deal with Shea, though. I remember writing this column, how it was a watershed moment for Ole Miss football when Shea did that against Texas A&M. And it felt that way. And then the book was out on him after one game. One game. And he never improved. And now he's in Kansas City as an undrafted free agent Competing with who? Jordan Tiamu to back up Patrick Mahomes. I was about to say, you, and if you're asking me who gets on the roster, it's 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 Tiamu. It's, it's Jordan. Jordan went to the XFL and performed. Shea is still living. Oh God, man. Oh my God. It's you can't write some of this stuff. <laughs> I you mean, really can't. You can't write some of this stuff. No, and that game that Shea won. Like I'm not trying to go revisionist history and like take away credit from him. But that was coaching malpractice by Kevin Sumlin as well. Do you remember how badly they were running on Ole Miss and someone was just was like, no, nah, I'm good. Stop handing the ball off to – what was that guy's name? Travion Ford or whatever it was. He Travion just stopped Williams doing or, yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whatever it was. Like, but Shea like, did have you, like a couple of unbelievable feats of individual performance. He did. And then uh, Ole Miss that, – that's one, one uh, game to point to as to how bad Ole Miss ha- ha- misses having a competent kicker. Wonderlick was nails. I love the weak build-up to Texas A&M. Freeze was pretending like Shea wasn't going to start. He was floating Dawson Knox as a potential starter at quarterback. Oh, you want to hear a good story on this? Yes. So that's my senior year of college, and I'm the sports editor of the DM, and I'm thinking I'm all big and bad, right? Like, we're traveling to Orlando. We're traveling to every home game. I'm super motivated. Like, I'm getting to cover an SEC football program and travel everywhere. I'm I'm. You know, I'm Billy Badass. I'm Mr. Awesome. So we get through that year, 
And we had already used a bunch of money to go to Orlando for that season opener game. And so Miss Pat, who's like the sweetest lady on earth is the DM advisor was like, I can't fly you to Texas A&M. Like if you're going to go, you're going to have to drive. And of course, 21 year old me is sitting there going, well, this sounds pretty terrible driving 10 hours in a car to college station. And I sit there Tuesday and Wednesday and I lap up Hugh Freeze's stuff about how it could be Jason Pellerin, about how it could be Dawson Mox, <laughs> and that, he, that they're not taking the red shirt off Shea Patterson. So I say, screw it. This is the one game where I'm making a call. We're not going to the game. I got it approved by uh, like the, uh, the lady in charge, Miss Pat. I was like, look, I just don't see it's worth it. They're not burning the red shirt off Shea. That shows you how na- naive I am. So I get to my house, and I'm writing sp- all this stuff from my house. And guess who? Guess what news breaks on Friday night before the game? Shea yeah. Patterson, the red shirt's coming off. And I'm sitting there. I got duped by Hugh Freeze. At that point, I was probably the last person to be duped by yeah, Hugh how? Freeze in the media. It was so but, obvious. But I was, but I was duped by Hugh Freeze as a, as a dumb, naive 21-year-old college student reporter. So I was not at that game. And the rest oh, of that year sucked. I didn't get to cover the funnest game. You poor, poor kid. I got <laughs> duped when I was in college by Ed Orgeron, and I billed Seth Adams to be something that he was absolutely not. So, look, we all go through it. Poor oh, Seth Adams. I mean, my had... God. Ed, you want to talk about coaching malpractice? Starting Seth Adams over Brent Schaefer. Insanity. Insanity. <laughs> Who's the other kid they had? Ethan Flat. Oh, my God. And Ethan Flat. I remember them losing to Wyoming. Here's the deal, like David Morse is coming up, and I, and I respect David Morse. I mean, I've got the utmost respect for him. He's awesome. And his greatest influence is David Cutcliffe. And David Cutcliffe is, without a doubt, the preeminent quarterback groomer. But you, you just didn't have the advent of running quarterbacks back then. They were very rare. So Michael Spurlock's coming up. David Cutcliffe wasn't used to coaching a Michael Spurlock-type quarterback. He didn't fit with Eli and Peyton and any of those statuesque, statuesque, is that right? Statuesque, statuesque quarterbacks that he was used to coaching. So that's where Ethan Flat comes into play. Ethan Flat, who okay, look, I got a friend from New Albany. He was a highly ranked kid. Nick Saban came to recruit him. His name is Jay Kirkland. Jay was awesome. He's an offensive lineman. Everybody wanted him. Jay was unbelievable. Chris Spencer signing class. He's the best offensive lineman in this class. I'm telling you, Jay was awesome. Jay ran into some personal issues, flamed out. But his first roommate was Ethan Flat, And I remember Jay's brother, older brother Russ, telling the story about how when Jay gets to camp and Ethan Flat comes in, the first thing he thought was like, who is this dude? It's just a dude. He's just a dude. I'm not trying to drag Ethan Flat, But Ethan Flat was nothing. He's like, remember Grant Restmeyer? Remember that quarterback? That backup yes, quarterback? I did. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. He's one of those. And he started uh, games. And he couldn't throw it 30 yards, not to pile on. Yeah, we're not trying to drag Ethan Flat, but Jay was like, what the hell is this? Who was it this year? This is a great story. Who was, who was it this year? So Ole Miss was playing a running quarterback, and I, I'm, I'm butchering the story because off the top of my head, I cannot think who it was. And I want to say it may have been – I'm trying to think of who or what it was. Maybe it was just Tua or something. But they were – we we got asked a question. (laughs) We we were asking a defensive player, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. 
about like how do you simulate Tua and who was doing it in practice. And one of the and it may have been Restmeyer, it may have been uh, Seller Shy. I can't remember one of them was uh, one of them was imitating Tua in practice on the scout team. And uh, we were asking one of the defensive players like, so who's uh who's like simulating Tua and like is it any going to be anything like the game? And he goes, oh uh, number whoever is, is simulating him, it won't be the same as the game. And we were like, just for the clarification purposes, who is that? And the guy goes, I don't remember his name. Oh, God. <laughs> he didn't know the scout team quarterback's name. Oh, God. That's, that's on video. I have that somewhere. Uh, before we get to David Morris, SEC Media Days, originally scheduled for July 13th through 16th, will not take place during that time, according to a report from AL.com. Just cancel it. It's an SEC network deal. They're just going to do a car wash like they usually do every single year, right? It's a TV event anyway. They just use the media as free production. That's it. Our questions become talking points. I quit going. I hate SEC media days. But it was scheduled for July 13th through 16th, AO.com reporting. It will not take place during that time. I'm actually surprised at this announcement in the sense, obviously, I'm not surprised it's not happening. Everyone knew that wasn't. But most other conferences is like, yeah, it's not happening, but we're going virtual. And from what I hear, I haven't seen the release because I'm uh, in the car. But you were telling me that that's not, that's not the announcement. They, they have not announced virtual yet. They're just saying it's postponed. That's surprising to me because what else? Are they just weighing their options? I don't see any other option than having some pseudo thing vertically like a conference call. In 2018, the event was held at the College Football Hall of Fame. The Mountain West Conference became the first to alter its 2020 Media Day plans, but announced on April 29th it would be moving to a fully virtual format. I don't think the SEC has done that. Um, until recently, according to this report, there was increasing optimism. This is what we're talking about at the start, that the 2020 college football season would begin on time, but as more and more positive tests at programs across the country have been reported, the optimism has waned. <sighs> There's a larger conversation to be had here that if you can't dangle the carrot that is college football in front of Southerners to get them to put on a face card, then we may just all be doomed. There's the last thing I'll say about it, because we got to get to David Morse. It's far more interesting to talk to David Morse. I said it yesterday at the Rainbow Theme Party. <laughs> talking about the state flag, one of these guys is like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, look, man, if you had just polled every single sports fan in Mississippi, it doesn't matter your political leanings, how you felt about the flag. You polled everybody and said, you know what? When this flag comes down, if you vote to let it come down, your school is going to get no less than five, four and or five star prospects. 100% they're going to say, change the flag. Same deal. If Greg Sankey, if, no, Lane Kiffin, these are the people that matter. Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, everybody came out and said, look, this is the science we know. Yeah, match might not be the best solution. But it's all we got. It's all we know. If you wear a mask today and keep that mask on just publicly when you're out and about for three weeks, maybe a month, but three weeks, kickoff will be on time and we'll have no stoppages. Universally, people are going to be on board. They would do it. They would do it. Like I said, I would walk backwards for three weeks if it meant kickoff on time. But I'll tell you what's coming, what's really going to come. It's purely my opinion, because I've turned from being optimistic to, again, being pessimistic. This is a roller coaster we're riding right now. Here's what I think's coming. I think football is going to start on time. Ole Miss and Baylor play. Then four or five kids from Baylor or four or five kids from Ole Miss 
They come down with it. The whole team quarantines. Then you don't play Southwest Missouri. So you're going to have this deal where it's this six, seven, eight games at most you end up playing. There's going to be stoppages, cancellations. How in the world at the end of all this do you see bowls? How do you decide who the playoff teams are? Because there are going to be stoppages. Do you even reschedule those games? If Ole Miss paid Southwest Missouri to come in and play, do you have to pay them? Do you have to honor that? It's a pandemic. The first pandemic since 1918. It's a novel virus. It's a novel virus and we don't know anything about it. The long-term effects on your organs, your lungs, we don't know. David Johnson came back from death. He came back to work at the Ole Miss Spirit today. It's an unbelievable story, but it's real. And whether it's happening to you, it's about protecting the person next to you. It's about protecting your neighbor. And for me, it's about getting sports back. So however you feel about it, I don't give a shit. Just put it on so we can have sports, please. 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 This isn't political for me. I don't care. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. I'm just telling you, you're probably not going to get sports. Last thing I'll add to that, and maybe as a teaser to our next pod, can you imagine the college football playoff arguments as subjective as they are now when you have games that are missed and you have, well, so-and-so beat so-and-so without their quarterback or out so-and-so? It's going to be an absolute madhouse if we do actually finish this season. Oh, man. I am so tired of talking about masks. Finally, we can stop talking about the flag. But the one thing we can't talk about, sports. But thank God for David Morris of Quarterback Country. Former Ole Miss quarterback, he's coming on right now on the Modern Woman phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions on iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say. If you say, Ben, shut up about masks. That's cool. Just make it a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Rippy, myself, we both work for the Ole Miss Spirit. OmSpirit.com and Philly247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Woman phone line. It's David Morris. Before we do, let's hear from Modern Woodman in BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line. It's David Morris. 
the founder of Quarterback Country, 2002 graduate of Ole Miss. Man, it's been a while, David. Golly. <laughs> I know, man. I am, uh, I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. I'm feeling old. Four-year letterman at Ole Miss, former quarterback. You're now with Quarterback Country. How did you get into this? Like, what, what led you to Quarterback Country? Yeah, so um, I got out of school. I was a... Um, I was actually a real estate finance major at Ole Miss and um, got got out and got into real estate brokerage and, and really liked it. It was a good time. You know, 2003 to 2007 was some good years. Um, and so, um, you know, like, like the business world, I guess what ended up happening is every year I got away from football. I missed football a little more. and um, And it was one of those things where, I started just training guys here and there on the side, you know, dads would call me and say, Hey, you know, uh, would you mind working with my kid? I know you I know you play in the SEC, you know, Hey, we'd love to you know, give you a gift certificate to train my son or, you know, I'm like, heck yeah, man, anything to get me back on the field, you know, let's do it. And so that's kind of how it started. Uh, every year kind of picked up more guys and got busier. And then I started thinking, you know, heck, this is a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that I saw started to take place was kids from all over, you know, public school, private school, um, you know, different states all across the Southeast, you know, coming together, training together, um, and and therefore, you know, creating relationships and, and community. And kind of, we kind of really started to see, wow, this is, this is a really – neat way to uh, use the experience I had and the passion I have for the sport and the position um, and, and to bring people together and get better. Right. And so over a period of time, we kind of created a model, um, didn't know what we were doing. There was no blueprint for quarterback training business. And um, it's changed a lot over the years, but uh, here we are. I, I went full time in 2009 and um, so I'm, I'm going on year 11 uh, full-time in the quarterback business. So initially, uh, it was just David Morris, you know, quarterback training. And I was like, you know, I don't really like that. Who, <laughs> who is that guy anyway? So we, uh, so came up with QB country and, um, and I, I knew right when I kind of, uh, when I rattled it off my tongue, I knew QB country quarterback country was, uh, was what we were going to call this thing. So when you get a kid and, and every kid has aspirations of playing at the next level, not all of them are going to get that opportunity. So, you, of course, you get the John Rice Plumleys, and that's who we talk about. But you're getting other kids, too, that just want to get better, that are a starter for their high school yeah. team or whatever it is. So, for you, Absolutely. is there a baseline of just how you coach these kids? Does every kid get treated the same? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. So, I kind of know both sides of the spectrum. In high school, I was a – I broke all the records in my high school. I was a three-year starter, led the state of Alabama in passing – you know, got recruited, um, you know, ended up having to walk on because I'm, you know, undersized, right? I mean, I'm a six, I was a six foot, 185 pound kid. Um, uh, but I know what it's like to kind of be the guy. Um, same token, I come to Ole Miss, you know, um, walk on, you know, play a lot as a true freshman behind a really good quarterback, Romero Miller. He gets hurt, you know, kind of start and, uh, and baptize in the SEC. And then, you know, I'm thinking, heck, man, I, I'm a, who knows how this thing's going to shake out. Next thing you know, you know, <laughs> Romero Miller is pretty darn good. Um, and, and then so is the guy that came in the year after me, Eli Manning. And so uh, the, my, my, my story, uh, my football story um, is that, you know, in college I'm a career second stringer. And that's, that's really what I was. And 
um, knowing that and going through that and being on that side of the token, um, but also, you know, kind of earning a, earning a scholarship. So I've, I've, I've been on uh, uh, kind of both sides of this thing. And so when we're coaching kids, um, man, we train tons of second and third stringers and I love it. Um, cause those guys are, they, you know, they want to get better and they, they, um, they're not far off and same token, you know, we train a lot of five stars and guys, you know, in the lead 11 right now. And, um, and, and guys that started as rookies this year. And so same token, you know, those guys need to be around, um, normal environments with, with kids that are that maybe better than them or maybe worse than them. And then um, there's, there's, there's this give and take of information, of effort, of uh, respect and, and discipline. And so it's just, um, it's, I think, to be honest with you, Ben, it's one of the coolest things about what we do is the ability to train the NFL starter and then train that middle school backup, um, maybe in the same day. And, um, and be able to look all those kids in the eyes and, hold them accountable and challenge them and, um, and, and, and try to get them better. And, and, you know, same token, um, you know, um, what I always find is that, is that uh, it makes me most proud just to see these guys becoming buddies and, and, you know, you know, you're kind of seeing these kids from all different paths and backgrounds come together and um, learn they got a lot in common. So there's just a lot going on and it's, um, it's really a neat, neat environment. Was there a kid that stepped onto your, I don't want to say campus, but onto the field to get coached by you. Mm-hmm. You didn't know yep. him, but then when you started to see him throw, you went, oh, shit, yeah, this kid's got it. <laughs> There's been a lot of guys like that. Um, geez, the one, let's say one that would just stand out. You know, the one that stands out probably the most, well, there's two. Uh, one would be Jacob Coker. Uh, you know, won a national championship at Alabama. Um, I, I didn't really know much about him. I knew he was a big kid started a little bit as a sophomore I got him going into his junior year and uh man I got out there with him and holy smokes I was like okay I didn't know he was this big you know six five <laughs> 210 pounds and um I've been around a lot of good quarterbacks at that time and, and I just remember thinking holy cow this guy's really good he goes to the signs of Florida State and uh ends up getting barely beat out by Jameis Winston and um the rest is history you know he ends up transferring to Alabama wins national championship uh I think if I think if Jacob Coker had one more year, he, he's a first round draft pick. I really believe that. I really believe that. Um, just the timing was um, not on his side necessarily, but super couldn't be more proud of the way he finished. Uh, the the second one would be Thomas Sirt, who uh, came to us from Glen St. Mary, Florida, which is a little bit east of uh, well, I guess it's around the Jacksonville area, and um, and he ends up uh, he had he, he had never started a game at quarterback. Uh, he was a receiver. He came down. We trained. We threw a little bit. I said, hey, you got to come back next week. We're going to shoot a throws video. I'm going to send it to David Cutcliffe. And even though you hadn't started a game, I, I think he's going to like what he sees. Anyway, bottom line, he goes, Coach Cut freaks out. I'm like, you know, Coach Cut's at Duke, right? Um, and he goes, David, get him up here to camp. Like, I, I, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? I said, Coach, you, you, Coach Cut offers him. Um, it was one of those things where, um, you know, you just kind of the physical – stature and the physical ability of these two guys just stood out and it was really different thomas certain the fascinating story there is he was the quarterback before daniel jones um thomas gets hurt with an achilles injury and daniel jones comes in and ends up um kind of taking over the reins there and uh 
know, and, and so, um, you know, Daniel comes a sixth round pick. I think Thomas Turk stays healthy. He's a, he's a drafted quarterback as well. Just anyway, fascinating story. Would you say cut's your greatest influence? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, I was, I was lucky to be coached by so many good coaches. Um, so, um, you know, you know, my first year, Noel Mazzoni just learned so much, um, from Noel, uh, good buddy, you know, so we, we stayed in, in contact we have a great relationship, um, continues to support me and be there for me the following year, you know, here comes uh, David Cutcliffe. And then also, um, you know, obviously Kurt Roper, the young quarterback coach who came in with him. Well, I think he was the youngest assistant in the SEC. Um, uh, the youngest assistant in the SEC um, at the time. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, I learned so much from Coach Cut. Uh, what I think I learned, Coach Cut just was all about um, mechanics and drills and things that ultimately um, I hadn't done a whole lot of to that point but there's a lot of rhyme and reason behind them and just you know from the, the way you drop and you, you open your shoulder so you can see the whole field you know what what pocket movement was supposed to what the purpose of pocket movement was um you know and then, and then just rhyme and reason uh in, in offense uh progression wise i was just i remember being floored by that first meeting with coach cut and um and, and i just you know, he's coming off coaching Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning to the eyes of David Morris at the time was the best quarterback I'd ever seen in my life. And just the ability to be coached by a guy that coached him, you know, was, was really neat, but we stayed in, in great uh, contact. And um, in fact, he just signed a QB country kid, or excuse me, committed a 2021 QB country kid, Riley Leonard from Fairhope, Alabama. So um, that relationship is, is, uh, is, is one that uh, means a lot to me. What is training like? What do y'all do? We do we do a little bit of everything. You know, we we want to introduce the foundations and, and the 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 uh, essentially the the early mechanics of playing this position. You know, with your feet, um, with your with with the upper half, obviously the throw in motion, and then just tying in um, the sequence and the patterning of the two married together, uh, and then married together and, and tied in with um, you know to, to progression or to a play concept and just getting guys familiar with the, the timing of playing quarterback. Um, the interesting thing about that is the timing of playing quarterback isn't always on time. You know I mean? Uh, every play has a, the goal of every play is, is to, to find a completion. If it's a pass concept, right. And um, if not, you go to the, the next completion. And um, so, and then certain times, you know, the pocket collapses and then, and uh, this ideal situation became really contested. And so the ability to train in an environment that is ideal, even walk through and, uh, you know, uh, uh, foundational, and then, you know, kind of graduate to, um, to a tempo based training and then, you know, into a contested or worst case scenario environment. And so that's kind of how we build our program. We want to really install and implement incredible foundations and understanding of those. Uh, we want to create drills that, that enhance and um, uh, encourage sound mechanics. We don't want people to think about mechanics. We want to, we want to bring mechanics out of a quarterback, meaning I'm going to put you in a drill situation that's going to correct or encourage sound mechanics, you know, sound foot strike, sound um, transfer of energy from back leg to front leg. And so I, 
sorry for the long answer, but it's a, it's a kind of a, there's a lot to it. No, that's fascinating to me, especially when you get so many different guys and everybody seemingly has a different arm angle, the way they release the ball. And there's no universal way, I would assume, to coach every quarterback, considering that their launch point and how they throw and where their arm goes and if it dips, if it doesn't, and how you adapt to that. I, I would assume that can be a challenge at many times, but that's kind of what you're dealing with here. But the basics, the feet and the awareness and to be able to read the defense in front of you, those things are consistent. Yeah, and, and even arm angle should be uh, consistent, depending on the guy, right? So if you're a, if you're a three-quarter guy, well, let's be consistent with that. But let's also um, dabble in the vertical aspect, or you know, kind of a guy that's a little bit more of a vertical thrower. Um, so let's let's train in an environment that is not all three-quarter. Um, could even make it more lateral. You can make it more vertical. Vertical, and what you're doing then is you're in, being intentional about um, you know, release point or, or even, um, release speed. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot that is different between, you know, one kid to the next, but there's also a lot that should be similar. And, um, and, and you know, and that's, it's, it's one of the fascinating things about it. It, it. The older I've gotten in this business, um, the less I teach about, uh, about the kind of the biomechanics of, what we're supposed to be doing because I feel like it's overload. It overloads the human brain. Um, I do believe that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hear it. You gotta be able to see it. You gotta be able to feel it. And then you gotta be able to do it. You know what I mean? Like you, all those points of emphasis are important. So if you just coach a kid and he's always hearing it, always hearing it, always hearing it, and he's not really seeing it, then you, there's going to be, it's going to be hard, <laughs> you know, same token. Um, if you're coaching a kid and he sees it and he hears it, but he doesn't necessarily feel it, meaning like, let's get in front of a mirror and look at our stroke or our, our, our feet, our transition, you know, whatever, then all of a sudden you, you potentially are leaving something out there because we all learn differently. You bring up a really good question. You talk about seeing and feeling. Are there traits as a quarterback that you either have or you don't? Can really everything be learned? Yeah, I do think some people are um, – yeah, obviously better with certain things, right? I always, we always think that this isn't the case consistently, but usually real big arm guys, um, initial initial stages kind of struggle with accuracy. A lot of times the big, the, the accuracy guys that are just really accurate, a lot of times don't have big arms. And so what you do is you train the opposite. So if a guy has a big arm, hey, I want to see you throw with great touch on these these you know, this handful of throws here, um, you know, if a guy has, uh, you know, the real accurate kind of anticipation, rhythmic thrower, hey, I want to challenge your arm. I want to see if we can throw this ball harder. Over a period of time, arms get stronger. Um, relationship of, you know, release, receivers are, are more learned. Um, touch is something that is intentional. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, you got a golf bag of, with how many clubs is in that golf bag? <laughs> Twelve or thirteen, you know. And so, you know, we got to be able to hit every iron. Um, same token, you know, that you know, touch or, or fastball is kind of the similar, um, similar. You know, I want to throw this ball fast. I want to throw this ball soft, but with a quick release. I want to, you know what I mean. And so, there is art to this thing, and there's um, there's very intentional training to this thing. And uh, but but some kids have a lot of poise, and some kids don't. Some kids. Um, are very, very confident and some kids aren't, you know, and those things are just as big. And so the intangibles can be learned, but usually they're kind of implemented 
long ago. Um, you know, the confidence thing is just such a big thing. And, uh, the, the power of the power of thought, you know, um, knowing your strengths and, and, and doubling down on them and, and just knowing that that's how, that's where you're going to hang your hat. That's how you're going to be successful. And that's your differentiator, right. As, as a, as a quarterback, as an athlete, as a, as a football player, and just knowing that, you know, this is how I'm going to beat you. This is how I'm going to win the job the power of our thoughts, you know, you are what you think, the ability to create future memories, all these things are just fascinating and trying to grow the intangible side and attributes of, uh, of the position. Going to take a second in this edition of Talk of Champions in this interview with David Morris, former Ole Miss quarterback, founder of Quarterback Country, to tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. So if a guy's got the tools, if they're raw, if they're polished, doesn't matter. But he wants to get to the next level. He wants to be a Division One quarterback. What does a successful quarterback then have to have? If you want to be that guy, what do you got to have by the time you're done learning under you and going to college? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's aesthetics and surface stuff that you got to have. I mean, you got to be able to um, you got to be able to throw it, you know, make all the throws, right? And I'm not saying that's all aesthetic. I mean, that's talent, right? But there's just so much intangibles. I think, if, did you win your team? Um, did you, you know, did you win the locker room? Did you, did, do your coaches trust you? Uh, you know, all those things are pretty important. But I mean, I would say that um, 
if you're trying to get a guy to the next level, I think that one of the more important lessons is, you know, if, if he's talented enough, is just knowing that that's not that's not the top of the mountain. You know, getting there. So many so many people just all they think about is the scholarship, the scholarship, and you know, I signed and all that. It's more just like, hey, man, that's just um, essentially a scholarship is an opportunity to compete with with five other guys that are really good. You know, and um, and, and the ability to 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 know that. I got I got to keep working and getting better. Um, I, I think that the the ability for a kid to be a great communicator, to be able to have confidence when when you get to college, it's very intimidating, and um, your confidence is tested, and um, you know because you're in this unfamiliar role now where you're not the guy. And so I just think that that deep down confidence, the perseverance of it all. Um, and then the ability to just weather the, the, the roller coaster of emotions is, is um, there, it's just, there's a lot there, right? <laughs> we, co- we covered a couple items, but there's a lot. All right, I've gone this far. You've been talking about John Rice Pumley a lot this offseason. I waited. Mm-hmm. I took my time here. So uh-huh. I'm going to play devil's advocate. If I were a okay. John Rice Pumley skeptic, why do you have such belief in him then as a passer? Yeah, so, so, so my thought is, you know, he's a young guy. He, he was a he's a true freshman last year, um, thrust in, uh, and he's in a offense that, um, you know, I think you can say it's terrible. It. it was terrible. Well, no, I don't think it was terrible. I just think they was trying to they're trying to use his skill set and not overload him. Um, same token, I, I think that his ability to, to be a thrower and to make decisions is really good. I mean, you study his film in high school. Uh, he's always been a thrower. In fact, he can, you know, I mean, he can throw fastballs and he can throw deep balls and he can, you know, if there's one thing that he has to continue to work on, in my opinion, is just some of, some of the touch on the intermediate stuff. So it's not like he doesn't have enough arm. He's got plenty of arm. Um, my, my thing is, you know, True freshman quarterbacks usually have up and down seasons, um, unless they're on just incredible teams. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, look, we're a pretty good football team last year, but we're not, we're, you know, we're not uh, Clemson or Alabama or LSU and uh, yet, right? We hope to be there, but I mean, it's it's going to be hard as a true freshman to to have just a um, a super consistent year. Um, I, I think I think that was a hard that was hard, right? And so. I think he did a pretty good job. I think we were kind of conservative, and um, I get it. He's a true freshman, and, and that's what you do with true freshmen. So my, my, I just know what he's capable of, and he's a very capable passer. And so, you know, I, I, I don't – it wouldn't be more like – my argument is not that, hey, look at what he did last year. It's more just like, hey, I, I just know how capable he is. I and mean, we, we train a lot of NFL guys, and um, John Rice Plumlee is a, is a passer. And now – does he have to keep, keep getting better? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I don't know that – I can't predict that he's going to be 65%. You know, I mean, I don't know that. But I know he's a very capable passer, and he can throw every every throw that needs to be thrown. Um, and he's worked hard at it. So, yeah, I just believe in the kid. You know, I think I think he, I think he can get it done. Well, in full disclosure, I am not a John Rice Clumley skeptic. I'm actually one of those okay. who have been the most bullish on him. And, and the reason why I bring it up, though, is – and I, I've talked about this on this podcast before. I feel like a broken record at this point. But there's this disconnect nationally and locally. The view of him is more of a mixed bag here 
And in national perspectives, they're praising him as a potential SEC or future SEC star. And I, I don't quite understand that. And for someone who deals with quarterbacks every single day, when you're training him and you're watching him, what are the things about him as a thrower that do give you that optimism? Well, I mean, I think that he, first of all, he, he is, he works hard to get better. Um, he, he, you know, he's not complacent. He's not lazy. He's always working on, you know, being a passer and, and getting more comfortable with uh, footwork. You know, this footwork's a little different than what they did last year. And so um, he can make every throw. I mean, he, he's, He's a guy that um, that I think is is accurate enough to um, you know to, to be consistent. But I do think I think that uh, one of the ways one of the areas he can continue to grow is just consistency. Um, you know, and, and I think from a standpoint of 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 where he is in his development, a lot of that is just lack of repetition. You know, I mean, he's he's a young quarterback right now. Um, and so, so I think the more he reps these things, the more consistent he is, but just like, just from the ability to, you know, throw the shallow, throw the hitch, throw the slant, you know, throw the, the fade, throw the go, throw the dig, throw the out, throw the stop, throw the comeback, you know, I mean, he can make all the throws and, and he's pretty fluid with it. So again, can I, can I make all those throws with different, you know, pace, you know, with guys in my face and all that? I mean, he's, he's still a young quarterback. He's going to continue to grow, but. He's he, again. He's capable uh, of doing all these things. Uh, I think he just got to work on consistency. I've gotten this far too without bringing up something. Look, you're the four-year travel roommate of Eli Manning. You trained Eli in the off-season. You and Eli are buddies. He's getting his number retired, man. What do you think? <laughs> God couldn't be more deserving and just deserves it. You know. Uh, in fact, when I heard about it, I called. Uh, I texted E and just said, "Hey, congrats!" Second guy texts John Rice. Is like, "Hey, man, they're gonna let you wear that." And uh, he goes, "Yeah, I think I get to wear it the rest of my career or something." And uh, hope, well, I don't know if that's true, but that's what he told me. Okay, so don't quote me on that. Um, I just think what Eli did at Ole Miss when he could have gone anywhere in the country, um, you know, he, he made everybody around him better. He he was he's a worker. Uh, he's a competitor. He, he's, he's got incredible balance. He loves football. He had a lot of fun playing it and he had a lot of fun in college and it's the way it should be. You know, you should, you should, this is a game. And, um, I, one of the first things I'd recognize about him is just how much, uh, he enjoyed, you know, being a football player and how much he enjoyed competing. And then, you know, and just how much he enjoyed college. I, I just think it's, it's, uh, we made it a little, probably too serious, uh, from time to time, we forget that man. These are just college kids that that uh, that are really good at football. I, I think think Eli, you know, just just has incredible balance, and um, I couldn't be more more proud of him. I know how deserving he is. I know how hard he worked. I know how much it meant to him, um, and I know how much this means to him too. I mean, it's uh, it's a big deal to him, and uh, but I, I, you know, he's he's just a first class guy. Uh, couldn't be more humble, and just couldn't be uh, more deserving. But yeah, I mean, I. I that's a, that's a neat deal. It's the first time I truly felt old in sports because I remember <laughs> back at Meet the Rebels, because look, my life now is different than then. Back then, it was my dad carrying me to every Ole Miss game, every Ole Miss event. Now I cover Ole Miss. It's a little bit of a different perspective. But back then, Meet the Rebels was on the field. 
And this was when Eli had just gotten here. It's his very first one. And my dad said, guys, whatever you do, after you talk to Ross, Ross Barkley, New Albanian, your buddy Ross, we all know (laughs) Ross. After you talk to Ross, that's the guy you got to go to. And to carry that pressure and to not only succeed but flourish and then go on to the New York Giants in the biggest media market and flourish, I just think there's not enough praise of Eli. And the whole conversation about the Hall of Fame, I think, is complete nonsense. He's a Hall of Famer, and whether or not he gets in, I don't care. Because while we shouldn't necessarily at Ole Miss retire jerseys, if anybody does deserve it outside of Archie and obviously Chucky Mullins, Eli's the guy. Heck, I can't believe it took this long, but I guess that's the way these things work, right? And once they retire is when it's officially now, – now we can retire your jersey. But, uh, yeah, he's, he, he was a program changer. There's no doubt about it. All right, last thing before I let you go. Have schools approached you about becoming a quarterback's coach? Would you be interested? I, I, people reach out certain, you know, different times, but I'm really not interested. I just, I love what we're doing. Um, I believe in it. I, uh, I mean, I love football. I love the position. And, and this little, this little niche that we're in is is good. Is right for for us for me. I, I love back to our one of our initial kind of my, my initial thought is I just love the ability to bring people together from all over. Um, that otherwise would never know each other and, and they become best friends, you know, and um, building, building real relationship and then building responsibility and accountability, kind of, you know, and building bridges and, um, and being a part of that and being able to see it firsthand. It's, it's, uh, there's, there is, I really believe, you know, you, you know, people are going to say, what a goo, but I mean, I believe this is my vocation, you know, my, my little way to kind of contribute and, and, um, I use my experiences and, and hopefully make the world a better place. And so, honestly, I wouldn't do it, man. I I love I love what we're doing here, and I feel fortunate and blessed and honored to be able to do it. And so, I just I don't know. I, I feel like in this season of my life, I w- wouldn't wouldn't consider it. I don't think. David, if Ole Miss came calling, I'm just saying. <laughs> man, I mean, Oxford is a great place, but uh. Yeah, man. I, I I don't know. I wouldn't do it, man. I wouldn't do it. I, okay. I, I just, yeah, I mean, wouldn't do it. I don't think I'd do it. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be flattered, but um, I don't think I'd do it. He's David Morris, former Ole Miss quarterback, founder of Quarterback Country. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, man, and it was fun talking to you, getting into <laughs> the in-depth stuff with quarterbacks, dude. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We'll do it again. Hey, Ben, appreciate you, buddy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.